why is it that we as God's people don't pray more? I don't know about you, but when the pastor shared that, I, I was pretty much blown away. Because I believe at the crux of the matter in the church today, the biggest struggle we have going on is this thing called prayer. Prayer. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Amen. Those of you who are visiting with us, they're thinking, what are they doing? They get excited when we turn to the Word of God. And I'm sure they get more excited about doing the Word of God. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to look at uh, beginning at verse 10. The Bible says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith which, which you, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. One of the greatest uh, missing links in our victory walk with Jesus Christ is this thing called Prayer. Um, what is prayer anyway? Well, prayer is, is, really, is taking hold of God by using the open access He has provided for us through Jesus Christ. In other words, uh, prayer is simply this. It's God has opened up the access and He's waiting for you to open your heart to Him so that He can come in and have a relationship with you and meet your needs according to His riches and glory. Now, that's just a simple aspect of prayer, but there, there's other aspects of prayer as well. As you grow in your prayer life, you come to realize that prayer is also taking a promise of His Word and confessing it back to Him and then telling Him simply, plainly, and briefly what we want and then leave the matter to Him and expect Him to fulfill it. You see, God makes things simple for us if we'll listen and if we'll obey Him. Then there are other times where prayer is focused on the thoughts of God, where our focus is on the glory of God and on the power of God, on the character of God and on the presence of God. And, and then as we, we focus upon that time of prayer, then we offer up prayers or our petitions to the Lord. 
Today I want to talk about what I call the missing element in the Christian's life. And I believe that, that God is wanting us to see this. And I believe that God wants to in, us to in, be engaged in this. What is the missing element in most Christians' lives in most churches today? It is this. It is the commitment and regular practice of intercessory prayer. Why is this so important? Why is intercessory prayer so important? I'll tell you why. Because we are in an invisible war that you don't even realize. And listen, he's playing for keeps. He, the enemy of God is doing everything he can to thwart the plan and, and the will of God, but ultimately he will overcome. But you see, he's chosen you and I to enter into that war and to realize that he has won the victory. He's looking for men and women who will stand up for him and stand and fight the good fight of faith. And you see, as we get closer to the end times, it's only going to get more and more fierce in our lives. You see, whether you realize it or not, when you entered into the family of God, you and your family became a target of the enemy. God has called us to engage in this battle. And the way to win the battles of life, we must fight with weapons that are not of this world. Weapons such as the Word of God and this thing called prayer. How are we are going to overcome and bring God's deliverance and power in the midst of spiritual attack. How are we going to do that? Let me make this very important point before we launch into this this morning. Don't miss this. And that is this. We are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from the position of victory. Amen? Amen? You and I need to understand that. Because you see... God has already won the victory through Jesus Christ. He went to the cross, and when he went to the cross, he paid the penalty of all mankind's sin. He took away their sin. And watch this, he broke the power of the enemy over man's life, and that is the fear of death. You no longer have to fear death anymore because he's conquered death, hell, and the grave. Amen? And because he's done that, you walk in him, in a relationship with him, and he will overcome because he has overcome, and it will be your faith in him that will help you to overcome as well. Now, what I'm going to talk about today is very important to my heart today. It's very important for us as a church because I'm telling you, I've been walking with the Lord for almost 29 years now, and I have seen some incredible things. But I can tell you over the last several months, it has been incredible spiritual warfare that this church has gone through like never before. And I know that we hadn't been here 29 years, but I'm just telling you, in my walk, I have not experienced anything like it. It is amazing to me. But I realize this, that the enemy doesn't like what God's doing in this place. And he's going to do everything he can to stop it. But the gates of hell will not prevail. Because Jesus has already won. And we're just going to stand in the victory he's already won for us. But I want you to know that we're in some battles. And just in the last month, Miss Carolyn's stepson killed himself. We've had two in our midst that have tried to kill themselves. But the enemy didn't get them. 
And one of them's dear to my own heart because it's my own daughter-in-law. And I just want you to know that what I'm telling you today and what I'm preaching today, it is very dear to my heart. Because I have done a lot of crying. I have done a lot of battling. And I guarantee you this much, Jesus Christ will win. And he is going to win. And we've got to understand, church, that not only just that, but I can tell you family after family after family that are under attack from one thing to another to another. And the reason for that is because we're under spiritual warfare and I think many of us think the problem is him, it's her. But I got great news for you today. That, listen, the enemy is not him or her. We've got an enemy that's invisible, that's working behind the scenes, that has hidden himself, and you are attacking the wrong person. I want you to know that Satan is the enemy. He is the one where we target. He is the one who we strategize. He is the one who we call on the name of Jesus to rebuke him and to defeat him because he has won the victory, and that is the only thing that will cause us to be victorious in our walk with him now I believe that if we're going to be victorious in this kind of spiritual warfare this kind of interceding prayer I believe it starts with the right attitude concerning prayer now hear my heart this morning many of us have listened to our traditions and our traditions have led us in our life. Now, I'm not against traditions as long as they're in God's Word. But I want you to know something. God never called us to make prayer a place in our life. God called us as His believers to make prayer the priority of our life. You study the book of Genesis through Revelation, and you see this theme running all the way through it. It's man in prayer with God and God speaking to man and God doing this and God doing that. And he does it hand in hand with his children. So let me ask you today, what's your attitude concerning prayer? I don't know how many of you got a chance to see the movie War Room, but I encourage you, if you had not seen it, go see it. And one of the things that so often happens is that prayer is, is one of these things that you ask somebody in the movie, they ask her and says, you know, what would you say your prayer life is like? Is it hot or is it cold? And of course, you know, I, well, it's not hot. Well, I wouldn't say it's cold. But it's somewhere in the middle. I mean, you know, I don't have a lot of time to pray because, you know, I, I got a lot of work to do. I'm really busy and, I, you know, after all, I'm a really important person. And so it was beautiful to watch because this old Saint Claire, she just, she just grabs my heart. She tickles me. And I'm not going to tell you the whole movie, but I'm going to tell you this part. My wife is going to give me the eye if I don't if I tell you anymore. But anyway... <laughs> is this. She goes in there and fixes two cups of coffee. One that's hot and the other has just been sitting there in the room. And she brings it back and gives that lady the, the one that's been sitting there in the room. And uh, so she picks up the cup of coffee and drinks and says, Claire, you drink your coffee room temperature? 
She says, no, my coffee's hot. <laughs> Point taken, Miss Claire. Point taken. In other words, God is asking you, if your prayer life is lukewarm, my prayer today is that you would have a different attitude concerning prayer. That it would not just be a place for you that you just throw in at the end of the day or start out with a prayer at the beginning of the day, but you become a regular committed person to prayer. That your life is characterized by this thing called prayer. Because prayer, through the, uh, through, uh, according to God's Word, can change some incredible things in your life. And many times we miss the incredible blessings that God has for us. So as we look at this this morning... Let's look at seeing how that this, this kind of praying is going to keep us victorious. Number one is this. If we're going to be victorious in our, in our praying, we're going to have to become men and women who are persistent in praying. Who are persistent in praying. Note with me in our text, he uses words like this. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times, pray in the Spirit. Now look with me, with all prayer and petition, he's speaking of all kinds of prayer. Pray at all times. In other words, pray on all occasions. Uh, pray in the Spirit. In other words, he's saying in communion with and directed by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are to pray. Now let me ask you, you see, if you and I are going to experience deliverance in our prayer life, if we're going to experience victory that God has for us in this thing called intercessory prayer, you and I must become men and women who are persistent in praying. Not that we throw a prayer here and there, or here's the phrase that we use in church, would you say a prayer? Your life should be prayer. Jesus said this, they ought to pray and not lose heart. In other words, we have to become men and women who are persistent in our prayer life. You see, the battle that you're fighting is the wrong battle. You think it's him and you think it's her. And you think it's this institution and that institution. It's this or that. My friends, the enemy is working behind all of this and he is taking your joy because the Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you and I are not persistent in our prayer life, we're not going to experience the delivering, victorious life that God has for us. But we must be persistent in our prayer life. Second thing is this, we need to be passionate praying. He says in, in, in the word, be on the alert. And then he uses the phrase, uh, not only be on the alert, but he also uses all with all perseverance. Now, as you look at this, this has with it the idea of this agonizing, intense prayer life. And, and you see, if you've done any uh, uh, review or any history of understanding war is if you have a person who is on the watch that night, guess what? They, they are what? They're, they're walking back and forth. And, and they're watching. And they're looking. And, and they're, listen, it ain't time for them to be sleeping. It's time for them to be alert. Amen? Because at any point in time, the enemy can come in like a flood and watch this, destroy them all. And so we have to be mindful that, that there, there is an intensity, there is an agonizing and passion in this. It has with it the idea that, that we are to be vigilant. 
We're to be vigilant. You see, many times we're asleep at the wheel when it comes to prayer. And we're not vigilant. And then the enemy comes in and takes one of our children and takes one of our spouses and takes one of these people that we love away and we're trying to figure out how this happened. We haven't been vigilant. We haven't been interceding as we ought to. We haven't been crying out to God as we ought to. But he has with it the idea that to not only be alert, with all perseverance. This has with the idea not just vigilance, but diligence. Not only watching, but we've got to be diligent in this thing called prayer. And we've got to understand how important it really is. It's a progression as you grow in your relationship with God in this prayer, this thing called prayer and passionate praying. Now, I'll prove this to you. In, in Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. What incredible promises from God about prayer. Now, I want you to note with me, watch this. First, he says, ask. Second, now he says, seek. You see that more, the more intense is happening. Third, knock. It's even more intense. That's the idea as we grow in our prayer life. That God is wanting us to see that as we agonize, as we're intense, as we're passionate in our prayer life, God is there to deliver you and deliver those whom we're praying for. Listen to Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death and he was heard because of his reverent submission. The Lord Jesus Christ modeled this for us. You know, there was times in his life that, that he spent with his father and there was passionate times that he spent with his father. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? He was so passionate and intense and agonizing that the Bible says it appears that he sweat Sweated drops of blood. Wow. I wonder how many of us have been really fervent in our prayer life. You know what I find in life is God's got a way of getting that into us. When my daughter-in-law went through what she went through, I can assure you my wife and I experienced fervent praying. And I can tell you this much. It was no just asking. It was crying out, oh God, if you don't come through, we have no other. It reminds me of the church in Acts chapter 12 when their leader, Peter, was now back in prison and this time they're going to behead him. They're going to kill him. And the church is really in dire straits thinking, oh no, we're going to lose we're going to lose another leader. James has already been beheaded. And now Peter, he's getting ready to go. And the Bible says that the church of God fervently kept praying for Peter. And the next thing you know, you see this. It's Peter at the door. And a servant woman looks at the door and says, it's Peter, and shuts the door. That can't be Peter, can it? We've been praying for that, right? They were a Baptist church. They just spend their time praying and don't expect anything, you know. 
God forgive me. <clears throat> but passionate in their prayer life. Persistent in their prayer life. And third here, purposeful in their praying. In our text we see this, and you see this all throughout Scripture. I, I can show you many texts, but I'm not this morning. Note with me the specific strategy in your praying. He specifically strategizes exactly what he wants God to answer, what he, what he wants, what he needs. You see, many times we don't even know if God's answered our prayers because we don't know what we prayed for. We've done a lot of babbling, but if the truth be known, God's answered your prayers and you don't even know it because you've forgotten what you prayed for. And that's to our shame. This is why I think we've got to keep prayer simple, plain and, and brief. Amen. These long prayers you can have with God if you want to, that's great. But I can tell you the impact of Scripture when you're talking about the power of God is all these Scriptures that says they spend two or three verses praying and bam, God moves. We think that God hears up because of our many words. He doesn't. He wants the heart of the matter. Get to the heart of the matter. You don't have to. It's kind of like my, my, my daughter used to do this. She'd come up to me, Dad, I love you. Oh, great, honey. I'm so glad. I love you too. You know, what you been thinking about lately? What you doing lately? And just, just asking all these crazy questions. And before long, I'm catching on to this, so I'm starting to really play with her at this point. She's wanting something, Okay. But she's got to butter me up in her mind to be able to soften me to get what she wants. Now, there's no woman in here that does that, right? I've watched recently, and my wife comes rubbing my arm. I said, uh-oh, look out. Look out. But we often think, don't we, that we've got to butter God up to get what we want. Instead of just being honest and humble and admitting, God, this is what I want. Help me. And he'll do it. In this specific prayer that he prays here, he prays for two things specifically. For all the saints and himself. And two, utterance may be given to me. Note here, two things. Number one, he prays for the messengers that they would have boldness and second he prays for the message that God would give him the utterance necessary to be able to proclaim his words even though he was in chains he had a captive audience with him all the time I'm sure he had rotating Roman guards and he always looking for an opportunity to share the gospel because it was the gospel whether it was in chains or out of chains that was going to set people free you see Paul was free you put him in chains and you couldn't shut him up because why? He just recognized wherever God placed him, he was going to bloom wherever God planted him. Whew. This is so important for us to get this morning. This. Don't miss this. Power falls where prayer focuses. Power falls where prayer focuses. This is why it's important as a church 
that we come together and we're united in our prayer. Because something happens supernaturally when you can get all of these diverse group of people to come together and be united with one heart, one mind, one faith, one purpose, and one prayer request and say, God, here it is. We need you to do this. And he moves. Remember Peter? God, they fervently pray, kept on praying that God would deliver him. And what happened? He delivered him. Church, I want you to know that if we're going to be effective in our prayer life against spiritual attacks in our day, you know when the Bible speaks of that you may be able to resist in the, resist in the evil day, the word evil day, it simply means this, when you're under spiritual attack. That could be when you leave here today. You can become under a spiritual attack. And the natural thing to do is to attack the wrong thing. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Tell the person next to you, you're not my enemy. Tell them. Some of you didn't believe that because I can, I can hear it. Some of you didn't believe that. And you know, we're going to have to have a prayer meeting over you. <laughs> oh my. I know you may feel like he is your enemy and she is your enemy, but she and he is not. Amen? Or oh me. We start here, church, with this. Thank God for Jesus Christ defeating Satan at the cross. Remember, we have an enemy that needs to be respected but doesn't need to be feared because greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Amen? You see, through Jesus' death, through his burial, through his resurrection, we have been given the victory. Sin's penalty has been paid for for all people for all time. Sin's power has been broken. You no longer have to live under power of sin anymore. The Bible tells us we are called to stand firm in this victory Christ has won. But hear me this morning. Satan and his host of demons engage in guerrilla warfare. Now, as I share this with you this morning, I want you to hear this because this is the deception that we, we often miss. The enemy's first tactic is to do this, is to distract you. Everything in his being is to distract you from one thing, Jesus Christ. Watch this, how he works. It's amazing to me. Second, he then brings discouragement to you. Note who's behind the discouragement. We think it's our circumstances. We think it's a situation. We think it's everything else, but who it really is, is the enemy of God. He brings discouragement. How does he do that? Because he is very deceptive. He wants to deceive us. You see, you know deception is an incredible word because you don't know you're being deceived, right? And you see, that's how he works. He is working to deceive you because, watch this, 
Here's where he's going to divide you. You know, God, the Bible tells us about God. God is a reconciler, a uniter. So if there is a division in relationships, who is behind it? Satan himself. Now don't miss that. It's vitally important because what happens is I think if Robert can get his act together, he starts acting right and doing right, then by God, Christy can have a great relationship with him. I'm not even going to look at her because I, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see what she's going to say. That's not, that's not true. Because we have got to get to the place, church, where we grow up and that we mature by which we recognize our joy and our peace and our contentment is not found in another person. It must be found in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. I see it too often. I am trying to milk something out of you so that my life can be better. And God's not letting that trough be filled with anything because he's trying to bring you to the end of your proverbial self where you quit looking to the wrong source and start looking to the one who never runs out, who is always filled up, who's always overflowing, who's always abundant. He's more than enough and he's wanting you, church, to realize he is more than enough. Embrace him with everything you got. His ultimate goal is not only to distract and to discourage and to deceive and to divide, but here's his ultimate end, to destroy you. Why does he divide? Because the little lamb by herself will get eaten up by the wolf every time. And you watch the enemy. The enemy's looking for the one that's dividing itself from the fold. And you keep stepping further and further away to where your, your strength was there in numbers. And now you're by yourself. And you believe the lie. I can handle it. I can handle him. I can fight the enemy. After all, I believe, you know, I'm the priesthood of the believer. I don't need the body. My friends, that's the greatest lie Satan is using today in the church. You bought into the lie. If you think you can do life apart from the body of Christ, my friend, I'm telling you, you have set yourself up for the enemy's target. And he will destroy your life. I'm telling you, I'm warning you, I'm trying to help you. If we don't wake up, to the reality that God has called us. Listen, we are in spiritual battle. We are in spiritual warfare. It's not me. It's not I. It's not you. It's us. It's we. It's our. Jesus told them how to pray. Our Father. He didn't say my Father. He is my Father. But we're in this together. And if you and I are going to overcome... If we're going to defeat the enemy, it's not going to be by ourselves. It's going to be when we unite arm in arm, hand in hand, and say, I will be at your back, you will be at my back. I will fight for you as you fight for me. We together will win this because Jesus is for us, and if he be for us, who can be against us? God's calling us to a battle, and this battle is won 
on our knees. With our remaining time here today, there's a battle going on in your home. There's a battle going on in your mind. There's a battle going on all around you. And you've been fighting the wrong enemy. You're fighting depression. You're fighting discouragement. Maybe you're here today, you're fighting assurance of your salvation. Maybe your stronghold today is worry. Maybe it's your anxiety. You see, God hasn't called us to walk that way. But if you're keeping that to yourself and you're not engaging with another person in this area of your life, listen, you're not going to overcome. Because God made us in such a way that we are together. And he says, this is how we overcome. We overcome through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So there needs to be a sharing happening. Have you shared with people your struggles? Oh, now, Pastor, I don't want to do that because if I do that, I, you know what's going to happen. The whole world will know it. Well, I, I hope not. They should not. But there needs to be somebody that the battle is being fought together. One can take care of thousands, but two, tens of thousands. So church, I call you to the throne of God's grace. There's coming a day that Jesus Christ is going to rule with an iron scepter. But you know how he's ruling today? Hebrews 7 verse 25 tells us, he rules today through intercession. And watch this. How you and I are going to rule on this earth? Interceding. If Jesus thinks the throne is won by intercession, who are we? Who are you praying for? You got a brother or sister you're spending time for that you really committed to regularly praying for? You know, people who are struggling with things in their life, are you talking about them or are you praying for them? You know, God really convicted me this week. You know, it's easy to talk about, to, to complain about people, to criticize people, to condemn people, and to be cynical about people. Okay? That's easy to do. And God convicted me and says, if you would take all that time that you just spent complaining, criticizing, condemning, and being cynical, and you lifted them up in prayer, could you imagine what I could do? All of us are that way, church. And I'm just brokenhearted because I believe with all my heart that God's people are missing out on the power of God because we won't pray. And I want you to understand this. There's a strategy behind that. And that is Satan's strategy. He knows that if he can keep you from praying, he's got you. Our victory is one on our knees, church. And he's waiting. Guys, you come and play. I'm going to ask you all to stand. And I don't know what battle you're going through. I don't know what you're facing and what your family's facing, but you do. And I wonder today, will you stand in the gap for somebody today? Oh, Father God, in Jesus' name, we declare our victory 
that has already been won in Jesus Christ. Through his death and burial and resurrection, we have won. And we give you praise and honor and glory. Let your name be exalted in this place. Minister now, Lord, in your own special and powerful way. Cause your altar to be flooded, that your grace may be poured out on us. And let us sing about our good, good Father. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. You come as God leads you. The altar is open.